So today, uh, we're going to talk about overcoming rejection. We've been talking about overcoming uh, in this series. Randy talked about overcoming fear and worry and anxiety. So let's, let's look back at overcome. So the definition of overcome is to gain the victory, to win, to conquer, to get the better of in a struggle, to defeat, to, con- to conquer. There you go. So overcoming, the reason we need to overcome, well, it kind of indicates there's a battle. Either you overcome or it overcomes you. That's, that's why I like that definition that says, can you get the better of in a struggle? It's not a passive like, hey, you know, overcome it if you want. You know, it's you have to defeat it or it's going to defeat you. That's why we have to be overcomers. Uh, walking with God doesn't mean we survive just until we make it to heaven. Uh, walking with God doesn't mean we're going to live to seek comfort and to be as comfortable as we can be here until we get to heaven. Um, if you're struggling right now, it's not because God doesn't love you. If there's things you need to overcome in your life still, even though you've become a Christian and God didn't take it away like that overnight, there's nothing wrong with you. Just you're alive. Welcome to being alive. So there's a battle going on. And it's one we already have the victory in Jesus, but we've got to put our faith and our trust in him. Satan wants to crush us. He wants to overtake us. He wants, I mean... First of all, he doesn't want us to know the love of God, but once we're walking with, with Jesus, he wants to use every little thing in our life that he can distort and use to crush us and keep us from becoming all that God wants us to be. Um, we don't overcome once, just so we can squeak by and get into heaven. We have to overcome every day. There's things we're overcoming. But in all things, in all the deep wounds of our life, God wants us to overcome. He's empowered us to overcome. In Romans 8.37, it says, But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loves us. We're conquerors. We're made to be conquerors. We're not made just to survive and get by. Uh, Revelation 12.11 says, And they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb, because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life even when faced with death. We are overcoming every day if we choose to by the power of Jesus' blood. And the word of our testimony, it says, it says they, they overcome with the word of their testimony. It's all of us together. It's all of us walking with God, saying, look what he's done. Hey, I know you're struggling with that. I went through that too. Look at what he did in my life. It's reminding ourselves, hey, he's taken care of me before. He's going to take care of me now. He loves me then. He loves me now. Look at who he's making me. That's how we overcome. We're overcoming through the word of our testimony. And it's not just your individual, but it's us as a group, as his body. We're overcoming. So let's overcome. Let's talk about rejection. Yes. <laughs> Who in here has experienced rejection? Okay, so that's everybody. Well, I guess no one needs to leave. So why is it a big deal? Just get over it, right? Why can't we get over it? Well, we were created to love and to be loved, and we were created by love. God is love. We hear that a lot. Some of us don't understand what that means. Some of us who grew up in church have a trouble believing that because maybe the experiences we grew up in church, believing God is love. Maybe we've been rejected by church people. Maybe we've been judged and shamed. 
But God is love, and let me, let me show you where it's at. 1 John 4, 7 through 9. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, because God is love. By this the love of God was manifested to us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him, that we might be alive through him. God loves me. I have a purpose and a destiny. And my destiny is to love him and to love others just the way he does. So rejection is our deepest wound and our deepest fear because we were made by love to love and to be loved. So rejection, let's look at the definition of rejection. It's not being accepted. I mean, everybody's experienced it. Everybody knows what rejection feels like. But let's look at it closely. Um, spurned was a good word I found, is a good synonym. Uh, dismissed with disdain or disgust or contempt. Some of y'all have experienced that, that kind of rejection. Being forgotten and overlooked. And so all these things, all these experiences, they affect and they wound our sense of worth because that's really what it, it points to. Am I worthy of love? Does someone love me? Who loves me? And that makes us ask, who am I? Why am I rejected? What's wrong with me? Rejection is our deepest wound because it's, love is our deepest need. And so we can either overcome rejection or it overcomes us, like I was saying earlier. Satan wants to tell us who we are based on the rejection we experience. And he wants to distort the destiny and plan that God has for you and us. He wants to let and interpret the rejection for us, and he wants rejection to define our lives and control the way we live. At the very base of what rejection says, it questions our worthiness. And it affects the way we live and the way we make our decisions, what we choose to do with our life. When we're overcome by rejection, it affects our decision-making. It affects how we treat people. And ultimately, if we're overcome by rejection, rejection, it's going to keep us from doing and becoming all God wants us to be. And that's why we need to overcome it. Uh, rejection can come from everywhere in our lives. And you've been rejected multiple times in your life, if you've been alive for a while. Um, it comes at different levels, too. It can be parental, be rejected by your parents. Um, people who are adopted, no matter how great their adoptive parents are, are going to have to come to terms someday with the rejection they feel for being given up as a child. It's a real thing. Uh, from family, maybe there's people in your family that don't like you. Sometimes from your own kids. Uh, it's touch and go with Etta sometimes, you know? Uh, I was getting dressed this morning and trying to figure out what I was gonna wear and I, I put on these shoes and she just looks at me and goes, not match. She's not the most eloquent, but she gets the point across. And then she looked at me again and goes, too much. I said, well, first of all, I'm all about too much. And I hate matching. So there you go. Get out of my room. <laughs> Some of you experience it with friendships. You've had really close friends reject you. Or you've had people that you wish were your friends reject you. From society. Racism, being rejected on the most visible part of the way God made you. 
Before anyone even knows you or even sees you at a distance, they can see the color of your skin. And they've rejected you because of the color of your skin. It's horrible. Being rejected because you're different in society, you know, you don't fit in, you look different, not thin enough, not built enough. Um, maybe you're just different and you're not into the things that most of the people you grew up with are into. Uh, I had a, there was actually a youth leader here at this church one time that was convinced I was a dopehead because like I wasn't into sports, I was a musician, and I had long curly hair. And I was like, you know, and one day he had the courage to ask me, he was like, so like, how much pot do you smoke? It's like, none at all. Never tried it. But he just assumed that, you know? Just, you know, people make assumptions on your appearance. It sucks. Um, from romantic relationships, some of you have been rejected by uh, people that you thought you were supposed to spend the rest of your life with. Some of you have been through divorce. Sometimes it comes from work. Um, you go unnoticed. You don't get the raise you feel like you deserve. You don't get the recognition you feel like you deserve. You've put a lot of time, sacrificed a lot, and you're not noticed. Unexpected deaths can cause rejection, or it can bring back past rejection. If you had an issue with a person that you didn't get along with or had rejected you, and then they, then they pass away, and it, it digs all that up again. Or a suicide leaves the people behind with a sense of rejection of, was I not good enough to live for? was not good enough to, to talk to. So, you can experience it in all different levels. Sometimes, as you're walking with God, Satan wants to crush parts of your life with rejection. There's abilities that God made you with and designed you for, and he wants to make sure that you don't use those again. You know, he'll use an experience in your life and say, oh man, you know, I was singing one time, and you know, everybody just hated it. And, you know, I, I used to feel like I was called to sing, and, and I'm never doing that again. You know, that's, you know I'm, I'm not going to let myself get hurt like that again. Or maybe, maybe you're, you're naturally a leader, and you have something important to say, and you just get shut down as a kid over and over. That's not God. That's the enemy trying to interpret that. Some of you have skills and abilities that the Lord wants you to use, but because of rejection, the enemy's trying to crush those things in you. So that's another level of rejection. Friends at a young age can cause rejection. Here's my silly story. So I was in daycare, four or five years old, and I had this vivid memory of being excluded by an older boy named Byron because uh, he heard that I had had pneumonia. Well, as a kid, I guess I was kind of like, I guess I was sickly, I don't, I don't know. I had pneumonia twice. I remember going into the doctor's office and I guess the only thing they could do was like inject my legs with penicillin or something. They were the, the biggest shots. My parents had to hold me down. And, and then like I kept getting impetigo on my legs. I, had, I was in like full wrapped like mummy style. And I just remember not being able to play. Well, this kid heard that I had pneumonia and he got everybody on the playground not to play with me. And then they all chanted pneumonia boy, pneumonia boy. And I just kind of sat, you know, on the side of the watching everybody play. No one play with me. And it's silly, but it hurt, and I still remember it. And you know what? Sickness still freaks me out. I mean, nobody likes to be sick, but I hate the idea of being limited. And like, if anything's up with my body, I almost kind of get angry. And I still have to walk through, I've got to walk through that with God. You know, I have to kind of 
pray and be like, okay, it's okay to rest, it's okay to mend, you know, I just hate being limited and feeling weak. And I think it comes from that. Uh, my dad was a very demanding father, and I'm not up here to bash him, um, and I've settled in my heart that he, he was doing the best that he was capable of, uh, of raising me. And so I've settled that in my heart. But I could talk about it. It wasn't easy to measure up to the expectations he had for me. And I think it was because he was rejected by his mother at a young age. After he was born, my grandmother had extreme postpartum depression. And so for the first part of his life, he did not have his mom. She was in a mental institution and undergoing shock therapy and all kinds of crazy therapy they had in the, the 60s. So that affected him. And it affected the way he treated me. And I think he, he struggled a lot with his sense of worth. He wanted to make sure that I was never going to be vulnerable in any way so that I would never be rejected. It was hard to measure up to his expectations. And ultimately, our relationship was severed because I didn't date or marry who he wanted me to. I didn't follow the plan that he had for my life. And so, I never measured up. It's affected me in a lot of ways, and I still deal with him today. I'm walking through it just like anybody else, I'm walking through rejection, but I struggle with perfectionism. I struggle with being a people pleaser. I struggle with hiding my faults and not being open about my failures and what's going on inside of me. Um, I have issues believing that people like me or love me for who I am. Uh, I, you know, it's, it's hard. I'm suspicious. I feel like sometimes, hey, you know, do they really love me or just like what I'm giving them or, or how I'm performing for them? Uh, so I'm walking with it. I'm walking through it with y'all. <laughs> I'm preaching to myself, okay? So we gotta be careful not to let the rejection we experience be the lens we see ourselves and others through. You're not alone in dealing with rejection. I just told you my story. Here's an example in the Bible. I'm gonna paraphrase it for you. Joseph in Genesis 37 is the story of Joseph. And if you haven't heard it, I'm gonna tell you the Tim version. Here's the story. Joseph was one of 12 brothers there were sons of Jacob. Uh, Jacob's name is Israel. He was the beginning of the nation of Israel. Uh, he was favored above all of his brothers, Joseph was, by his dad, which is not his fault. If someone chooses you as your favorite, have you ever been a teacher's pet? Was it your fault that you were the teacher's pet? No, you just didn't give him a hard time. So that wasn't his fault, but God had a great calling on his life. He started giving him dreams, showing that his family was gonna, they were gonna bow down to him one day. Uh, well, he shared it with his family, who already resented him because he was the favorite, which, you know, a little maturity probably would have saved him. And maybe reading the room would have, would have saved him some trouble. But he was 17 and naive. So one day, him and his brothers out tending their flocks, the brothers were like, I've had enough of this guy. Let's kill him. And so they get him, then they talk themselves out of killing him. Like, you know what? Let's throw him at the bottom of this hole and then let him die there. Then, you know... It, we're not doing it, and it's all, you know, right? You guys feel good about that? And then they changed their minds, and they said, you know what? Here's some Ishmaelite traders. Let's, let's sell them into slavery. That way, you know, he's not dead. It's, I feel less guilty about that. Um, so talk about rejection, right? Your own brothers, your own family. First they want to kill you, and then they just end up selling you into slavery, where you're pretty sure you're never, ever going to see any of your family again. Uh, Joseph could have given up on God. He could have given up on his calling, but he didn't. He could have let bitterness grow in his life. I mean, he could have just been, a, I'm a slave, and I'm just going to rot. Yeah, God doesn't love me. If, if God loved me, 
Why would I be here? But he didn't. He stayed faithful, and the favor of God was on his life, and ultimately, he became the second in charge of Egypt. And he helped save the nation of Israel and Egypt from a deadly famine. So that's what you can do if you overcome rejection. Don't let it define you. So let's look at unhealthy ways we deal with rejection. All right? Uh, Number one, we avoid the risk of rejection. Relationship involves risk and vulnerability. If we say, I'm never going to let anybody hurt me again, that means you're never going to let anybody close. You're not going to have relationships anymore. I'll never let anyone get that close again. I'm not going to be real. We call those people fake. We don't like those people. You don't like those people. Don't be one of those people. Uh, We're taking away the possibility of rejection, but we're also taking away the possibility of having a loving, fulfilling relationship. Um, To avoid the risk of rejection, we don't commit. We don't commit to people. We don't commit ourselves. We don't invest. We don't do things with friends. We don't try to get to know new people because we can't trust them. Uh, Some of you say, I'll never marry again. That's a hard thing to get over. I'll never marry again. But you've got to risk. God is not going to use you unless you're willing to risk his love. If he's filled you with his love, he's not going to use you if you're unwilling to give that love to someone else. That requires you to be vulnerable. Um, For some of you, it's kind of like you're you're an empty shell of a person. You know, you avoid the risk of rejection by kind of blending in with whatever anybody else is doing. I'm a background guy. No one really knows who I am because then that way they can't reject me. If you don't know what I think or what I really like or dislike, then I don't have to worry about you rejecting me. So you become this empty shell of a person. Um, Another way we deal with rejection is hostility and anger. You know, you've met these people. They are like set on offending you before you even get to know them so that you can't reject them. And that's, they've dealt with extreme rejection in their life. They're, They're, you know, everyone's an enemy because no one can be trusted not to hurt me. These are some of the most unlovable people uh, in the world, uh, but it's because they've been rejected and they're hurt. And the way they're dealing with it is hostility and anger. Like, no one's going to hurt me. I'm a tough guy. Uh, and it's, they're overcome by re- rejection, and it rules their world. That's their whole world. Hopelessness and despair. Um, no one will ever love me. Who could love me? You know, my dad didn't love me, so, you know, no one else can love me. Depression leads you to depression. Uh, it causes you to isolate yourself. And it's this cycle, you isolate yourself, you're never gonna be around anybody who could love you again, right? So it's this, it's this bad, uh, deadly cycle. You know, all these, all these things that we say to ourselves when we're hopeless, and I'm never gonna be good enough. Why try? Why should I even try? No one's gonna love me. Why, try, why should I try to sing again? Why should I try to speak again? You know, I got shut down that one time. You know, I'm, I'm not gonna, that's not gonna happen to me again. Uh, number four, we're overly sensitive to rejection. Being overly dependent on others and the approval of others. Um, you know, this is me. Letting my need for love and the fear of rejection make me a ple- people pleaser. Um, living to please other people and then having this inner turmoil over doing things that you really don't want to do or don't really care about. Always questioning your relationship because... You know, you perform to, to get their love, so 
You know, what if, what if I, you know, mess up? You know, it's exhausting. It's exhausting to always be living to please other people and using that as a way to get approval and to kind of medicate your, your rejection. Overachievers are this way. I'll make sure that I'm liked and loved by all. It's exhausting. God has more for you to do than to live to please other people. He's got plans and a destiny and skills and abilities he wants you to use to do what he wants, not to waste your time trying to please other people. Preaching to myself. <laughs> Another way this kind of manifests itself is people who are easily offended. The most easily offended people are people who have experienced rejection and their way, it's like they have a rejection radar. They're like, I see it on the horizon. They're acting friendly. Oh, what was that? What's that look supposed to mean? You know, they're just ready. They're ready to be rejected. They're oversensitive. So those are ways we don't want to be. So let's talk about Jesus. It's a good place to start. <laughs> Jesus was the most rejected person who ever lived. He was born under suspicion, a virgin birth. Who believes that? Joseph didn't. It took an angel to tell him, hey, this is my plan. He's going to be your son. You're going to raise him. Um, he was marked by, for death by Herod. His whole town, all the, the kids under the age of two, two and under, were killed because they were trying to find Jesus and kill him. Um, they had to flee to Egypt until Herod was dead. Throughout his ministry, he was rejected by society and religious leaders. First of all, by society, because they're like, who's this carpenter guy? How does he know anything? Who was he to talk about, you know, the things of God? And then by the religious leaders who were like, you're a son of Satan. You're doing all these miracles uh, by the power of demons. There's no way. You're, you're a blasphemer. You're a heretic. Um, then he was betrayed by his closest friends. Betrayed by G Judas, who was one of his closest friends. He wasn't just like, hey, you're a placeholder. You're here to do the deed. You know, I'm putting up with you. He was one of his closest friends. And then he was abandoned by the rest of them, and then he was turned over to death. Uh, John 1, 10 through 11 says, He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him, and he came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. The light of the world walked among us, and we rejected him. Jesus is the most rejected person in the history of the world. Then he was abandoned by God as he endured the penalty for our sin on the cross. The penalty for our sin is to be separated from, from God forever. He endured that rejection so that we would never, ever be rejected by God in eternity. He's, on the cross, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? At that moment, he was experiencing the full rejection of punishment for our sins. But Jesus didn't let the fear of rejection shape his decision-making. He didn't let rejection change the way he treated people. He didn't let rejection keep him from doing God's will. He said this in John 16 to his disciples, Behold, an hour is coming and has already come for you to be scattered, each to his own home, and to leave me alone. And yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken to you, so that, you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage, I have overcome the world. This is what he's saying, look, you're going to abandon me. I know it, but I'm going to take security in my Father. I know who I am, and I'm telling you this so that you're not blindsided by the guilt you're going to feel. I'm telling you, I know you're going to abandon me. But look at this. 
I'm going to have peace in my Father, and I'm showing you how to overcome these things. You're going to have the same security in me that I have in my Father. It doesn't matter that I'm being rejected and abandoned by you. I'm giving you an example. And look, you're going to fail, but I'm going to love you through it. And you're going to have troubles too, but in me, you're going to overcome them. So take courage. He's given us an example. He's saying, I'm not alone. My Father knows me. I know who I am, and I know what I was made for. So, Let's look at the three elements of overcoming rejection. And this is the way Jesus did it. Number one is God's word. Number two is godly friends. Number three is forgiveness. Number one, accepting God's love. How do we know about God's love? Through his word. Because, I mean, if you, if you look at your rejection and try to in- interpret your rejection, and sometimes uh, the way you feel, you're not going to feel God's love. We have to accept his word is fact about who we are. Um, it's even tough when you look at yourself sometimes and in what others have said about you. But you have ex- you've got to accept all that God said about you as the truth. Otherwise, you're being controlled by rejection lenses and the enemy is trying to crush you. The enemy is trying to do that. He's trying to interpret your life for you. But we have to look at the word to see who we really are. So, this is what uh, Isaiah 43 Verse 1 through 4 says, But now thus says the Lord, your creator, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by my name, and you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I have given Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba in your place, since you are precious in my sight. Since you are honored and I love you, I will give other men in your place and other peoples in exchange for your life. He gave another man in our place, and that was Jesus. We are precious to him. You are precious to God. Uh, Romans 8, 31 through 32 says, What then shall shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? What rejection on this earth can overshadow God's acceptance of me? That's what we need to ask ourselves. Romans 8 goes on to say that nothing could separate us from the love of God. We've got to get these things in us. We have to let the Holy Spirit solidify our thinking through God's truth. We've got to decide who we're going to believe. Are we going to believe the enemy? Are we going to believe the way we feel about ourselves? Are we going to believe what God says about us, who loves us? We're precious to him. Number two, well, let me say something about God's word again. Sometimes, so the word says that we we have to abide in him. It's not enough just to read it, but we have to remind ourselves daily. We've got to abide in it. We've got to soak in the truth of God's word. We have to accept it as fact, just as we accept gravity as fact. But it takes, we have to keep reminding ourselves of it because we are going to continue to experience rejection. So think about it. It's called meditating on, on God's word. Just taking apart, praying over, over those, those verses. Praying those for yourself. Accepting those for yourself. All right, number two, pick your friends wisely. Have close friendships with Christians. They're your brothers and sisters in Christ. We've got the same value system. We've got the same goal and purpose of becoming all God wants us to be. And part of my purpose is to help you become all God wants you to be. Am I perfect? No. Are you perfect? No. So what should our expectations be 
with our friends in the body of Christ. You know, sometimes that's the hard thing, hardest thing to define. But our expectations should be commitment. God wants us to d- demonstrate his love to all people, but one of the ways that he demonstrates his love is through how Christians treat each other and how we're committed to each other and love each other in this church. Jesus said, this is how the world will know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10 says this, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. For if either of them falls, the one will lift his companion. But woe to the one who falls when there's no one else to lift him up. We pick each other up. That's what Christian friends do. It does no good for us to try to get acceptance from friends that aren't moving towards God the way we are. It's no, there's, there's no point in us trying to get acceptance from the ways of the world because uh, they don't know what true acceptance is. They haven't, they haven't encountered God yet. They don't know what it means to love truly. Uh, so the Bible says that narrow is the path that leads to life and wide is the road that leads to destruction. Get, on, get with people who are on the same path as you. You're, you're, gonna, you're gonna get rejected by people who have a different value system than you. That's just, that's just the way it's gonna be. So get with people who have the same value system as you. Beauty fades, money comes and goes, popularity changes, etc. But get with us. We're here, we're the, we're the body of Christ. We love you. You know, we'll be on the path with you when, when you're looking down that other path and being rejected by other people. It's like, hey, we're over here. We love you over here. We'll pick you up if we need to. Are you okay? Can I pray for you? Hey, that doesn't sound like you. I know you're not about that. We're here to encourage each other and carry each other. Galatians 3 says, uh, bear each other's burden and so fulfill the law of Christ. We'll, We'll say, hey, I forgive you. You're precious to God and you're precious to me. We'll say, I'm sorry. That wasn't very loving of me. We're imperfect, but we're here to be together. God wants us to be together and to love each other and get each other to him. All right, three. I'm running out of time. Uh, forgive. Have you been by, hurt by Christians in the church? I have. Come back to church. Risk it. Get in a relationship again. Be a part of the church again. Forgive. Um, you'll never be who God has meant you to be if you're not willing to risk and invest your love with someone else. I just thought that was funny. You gotta risk it to get the biscuit. <laughs> you have to forgive. The people who have rejected you, you have to release, release them and let go of that. You've gotta re- release them from that. You've gotta, you've gotta be able to love again. You gotta forgive the rejectors out there in the world. When, when you accept who you are in Jesus, you can let the hurts from all those other rejectors go. What can overshadow the acceptance I have in God? Nothing. What can overshadow God's love for me? Nothing. Jesus says to love our enemies because when we were enemies, he loved us. When we rejected him, he loved us. So we do the same. And we don't have the power to do that if we don't know his love. But now we know his love. So let's do it. What healed the wound of rejection in our life? Jesus' love and forgiveness and his acceptance. So now we're empowered to do the same. And I'm not saying it's easy, but through his grace and his power, we can do it. It can be an incredible joy to be a part of someone experiencing God's love for the first time and being healed from their rejection, to to be a part of that and seeing them accept God and learn God's love. It's an incredible thing. It's, It's part of what we've been called to do. 
1 John 4, verses 8 through 11. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. By this the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us first, and he sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another, and we ought to forgive each other. Verse 16 says this, we have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. We've gotta continue in it. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. We can forgive because he first forgave us. And that's how we overcome rejection. We're overcomers, that's what we're meant to be. We're chosen, we're accepted. The Lord loves us. The enemy wants to crush you and define you by the rejection you've experienced because it's the deepest need. He knows it's the deepest need in your life. But God is here today to say, I, I'm here, I love you. You were chosen, you were special, you are precious to me. So, any of you dealing with rejection? I'm just gonna pray real quick. I mean, we all deal with it. But sometimes it's, 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 there's seasons where it's stronger and more apparent and we're struggling with it. So let's pray. Jesus, we thank you, Lord, that you've made us to be overcomers. You've made us to be your sons and daughters. You've chosen us. You've accepted us. There's no rejection on this planet that can overshadow the love that you have for us, God. And I just ask that you would open our hearts to know that. Help us to believe it even when we can't feel it even when it just seems just not even logical. Lord, by your Holy Spirit, open up your word. Help us to believe your word is truth, God. Lord, strengthen us. God, give us good people in our lives. Help us, help us to risk relationship with other Christians that will build us up. Help us to build other Christians up. Help us to stay on that narrow path to you, Lord. God, help us to forgive. Help us not to be tied down by the rejection that we, we experienced in our life. Don't let it overtake us. Help us to be overcomers, Lord. We pray in your name. Amen. All right. Thank you, guys. Love y'all. Have a great week.